You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The cat skills get their name possibly from Katerskill, which is Dutch for Wildcat Creek. But that could just be hearsay. Perhaps one thing is certain. At least, the kill part of cat skills, that is. Welcome to Camping Horrors, the podcast where real people share their terrifying experiences while camping or hiking, and I narrate them. Today's episode features a disturbing unknown entity in the cat skills, a bizarre unknown creature in the woods, and more. Enjoy! I would love to read your scariest camping and hiking stories on the show, so send them to me at darkstories.org. Go to eeriecast.com to check out more of my scary story narrations. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. Warning. The following story contains depictions of violence against pets. Something in the trees from Living Forest. This particular story happened when I was a teenager, so it was over 15 years ago. I grew up in the Adirondacks, spending most of my childhood and teenage years camping or just generally being outside in some capacity. Two summers in a row, I joined a group that would travel around the rural backroads and pick up any garbage. Mostly, it was just a cleaning up job usually along the roadside. Occasionally, however, we would be asked by the rangers to clean up trails or county roads where people would dump their trash in the woods. On that day, the group I was in had to split up and take quadrants. We were given GPS units. However, back then, their accuracy was usually within 100 meters, if you were lucky. Wasn't an issue for me, as I had dreams of being a trail guide or forest ranger back then. However, others were uncomfortable and chose to stay closer to the main roads, which left me having to be dropped off at the end of the forest service road, walking my way back to the agreed area of pickup. We each were given a roll of garbage bags and a poke stick to collect the trash. The area I was dropped off at was known for being one of the larger dump sites, People would drop off their old couches or chairs, even sometimes mattresses, and other various pieces of furniture. But someone with a flatbed truck had already come through, picking up the larger pieces. All that was left were the smaller items, such as bottles, cans, bags, papers, anything along those lines. Unfortunately, once in a while, you would find things dumped of a darker nature, such as unwanted pets, 
that were, let's just say, taken care of in an inhumane way. And on that day, I happened to come across a litter of puppies. I wasn't given a radio, but if I had the radio, I would have called it in. They would come and get me at that point as they tried to keep us youths from seeing the more serious things. This wasn't the first time I've seen things of this nature, unfortunately. So I took the time to collect all the puppies, putting them in a bag. Instead of leaving them with a pile of other bags I'd already filled, I decided to bury the poor things. I dropped off my backpack of supplies and my poke stick near the road. I walked into the woods with just the bag. I walked probably 20-ish minutes away from the road before I found a rather large pine tree that looked like a good resting place for these guys. I put the bag at the bottom of the tree and I started to walk in a slow circle around it, searching for a stick or rock or similar items that I could use to start making the hole. I found a rather large branch, which I was able to break in half. I then used my pocket knife that I always carried to sharpen one end. I went back to the tree, and I started digging out the hole. It took a while as there were several roots I had to work my way around. Once I dug a hole about a foot and a half deep, I proceeded to lay the ill-gotten quarry to rest without the bag as I didn't want to add to the trash already out there. I took a few moments, even teared up a bit, and prayed. Seeing abuse of any kind is always hard. However, as I was covering up the grave, I heard a small branch fall about 50-ish feet to my left. The position I was in kept me from being able to see because of the branches of the tree I was crouched below. I quit talking and moving, and just listened for any further sounds. It wasn't one of those the forest went quiet types of moments. There were still birds out there making their noises, though they were off on the opposite side, farther away from where the sound came from. I didn't notice the change in the birds' sounds from being around me to being away from me in a different area, in my distracted state. After sitting there for about three minutes, quietly looking around and trying to look through the branches to my left, I didn't see anything, so I continued to work. After I'd completed covering them up and left several pine cones and a nice-looking rock I'd found, I got up and started to walk away. It was at that time I heard what could only be described as a moan mixed with a growl. This was bear country but there are some cougars in the area too. So my first concern was that a natural predator had smelled and come to investigate. I only had my pocket knife as any form of self-defense. I wasn't really scared yet, as I assumed it was two trees rubbing against one another in the wind. That is rather common out here in the forest. Looking around, I found nothing once again, but just as I was about to keep walking, I saw a branch and bark come falling down from a tree, about 30 yards from the big pine tree that I'd just left. I looked up the tree as it was only about half the size of the big pine tree, and midway up, I saw something that I don't have a great description for. It looked like it was a brown-gray-green color. It had no obvious shape to describe, and it was probably the size of a bear cub, Immediately, I jumped, cursing as I did. I turned around and took several steps backwards, still keeping my eyes on whatever that was. 
I couldn't tell if it was something alive or not. But then it began to move, and I could tell it was something that was not part of the tree. Honestly, I can't tell you what I saw. It didn't have fur like a bear or mountain lion, but it wasn't skin either. It looked almost like living moss, but as far as I know, the Adirondacks don't have anything like sloths, and that thing didn't look like any animal I'd ever seen. I couldn't tell if it had a head or a face until it turned and looked at me. It had a face, but it was squished, kind of. I couldn't see eyes or facial features, other than it being dark. Excuse my lack of details, I was around 80 feet from the thing, and it was up a tree. It was mildly cloudy that day, and if you've ever been in the woods, you know that there's always shade from the canopy, so I couldn't get good eyesight on the thing. I could tell, however, it had four limbs, as they were wrapped around the tree, paws that were almost raccoon-like, but the claws on it were about as long as the fingers. It also had a long rat-like tail that was about the length of its body. The tail would occasionally swish back and forth. I watched it climb down the tree slowly, and it watched me the whole time. That's when I noticed it had soft, rounded-like ears on the side of its face, like a human, not like an animal. It made no sound as it came down, except for the light scraping of claws. It came to a branch about 12 feet off the ground and climbed out onto it. The thing moved like a raccoon, really, but the shape of the body and the rounded head with seemingly no neck made me sure it was no raccoon. It wasn't even a bear or any other animal I could think of, like a fisher, because it had no snout poking out. Its face was smushed with a nose that looked like holes, but not any obvious shape. Vaguely, it was kind of like a monkey. Its eyes were a lighter color as it caught the sun on occasion. Its skin or whatever covering it looked like it could blend in as a growth on a tree or a rock on the ground. Suddenly, it let out a low-pitched whistle. That's when I decided I'd seen enough. I glanced backward to make sure my path was clear and turned and pretty much ran. I looked back several times to be certain, but I wasn't followed, and I never did see it again. To this day, I wonder what it was. I told the ranger in charge of us that day what I saw. He said it was probably a raccoon with mange, and when I said the face didn't look like any raccoon I'd seen. He said I must have been mistaken. Its face was similar to that of a snub-nosed monkey, but the color and overall proportions and shapes weren't. There are no known monkey species in North America, and it wasn't an escaped exotic pet. I don't have an answer to what I saw that day. It was clearly comfortable climbing trees, so still to this day, I look up every time I'm in the woods. I don't know if any creature or species matches what I saw, and have spent years researching it on and off. This may not be the scariest story, but it's definitely one of the stranger ones I have. The Catskills Kills from Never Ever It was the summer of 2019. I had just graduated from college. I wanted to do something big before starting my new job, at least something fun, 
so I decided to go on a solo backpacking trip in the Catskill Mountains for a week. I am an experienced hiker and camper, having grown up in the Adirondacks, so I wasn't too worried about being out in the wilderness alone. The first couple of days of the trip were great. The weather was perfect, sunny and warm, but not too hot. I would hike about 8 to 10 miles each day, taking in the beautiful scenery. I even saw some other hikers and backpackers, but for the most part, I was on my own out there. On the third day, things started to feel a bit strange. I soon noticed the birds and other wildlife seemed much quieter than before. The few hikers I did come across didn't return my friendly smiles or hellos. They looked concerned, ready to leave. I chalked this up to getting further out into the backcountry, but it did leave me with an unsettled feeling. That night at my campsite, next to a creek, I built a fire, but I barely needed it. The night remained warm, and I left my tent open to let in the fresh air. As I was falling asleep, I thought I heard footsteps outside and the crunching of leaves. I sat up, listening closely, but didn't hear anything else unusual. Just some normal nighttime forest sounds. Still, it took me a long time to fall asleep. The next day I continued my hike, climbing up and out of the valley I'd been in. The terrain got rockier and the trees thicker. I felt I was being watched, though I never did see anyone. I shook off the creepy feeling as just nerves from being alone so long. As dusk fell, I set up my tent in a clearing on a ridge with views of the surrounding peaks. I cooked dinner, cleaned up, and settled in for the night. A full moon illuminated the inside of my tent, creating strange shadows that played tricks on my eyes. Exhausted from the long hike, I eventually dozed off. Sometime later, I awoke suddenly. My tent shook violently, the poles bending and collapsing on top of me. I struggled to get out, certain that a bear had decided to attack in the middle of the night. But when I emerged, there was nothing there. Despite the tent poles being mangled, the fabric was untouched. The night was still and quiet, bathed in moonlight. Confused and rattled, I righted the tent as best I could and tried to get back to sleep. In the morning, I packed up quickly, wanting to get away from that exposed ridge. The warm weather had broken overnight, and a chill hung in the air. Dark clouds rolled in as I hiked downhill. Thunder rumbled in the distance. I picked up my pace, hoping to make it to the next shelter before the storm hit. The sky opened up just as the shelter came into view ahead. I sprinted the last 100 yards up to the empty lean-to, my relief at having made it short-lived. As I caught my breath and took off my raincoat, I noticed the shelter had changed. Handprints and claw marks had scraped along the inside walls. Filthy rags littered the floor. The fire pit contained charred bones and smelled of burned hair and flesh. I backed away from the shelter, my heart pounding. The wind whipped up, screaming through the trees. Then I saw it, a hulking shadow lumbering through the woods towards me, 
I had no choice. I turned and ran into the storm. I see rain pelting my face. Thunder crashed overhead. I slipped on the muddy trail, but kept going, sweater nagging on branches as I careened wildly downhill. The thing crashed after me, closing in. I burst out of the trees into a rocky clearing, just as lightning struck right behind. The deafening crack reverberated through my body. I froze and slowly turned around. The woods were still again as the wind died down. Raindrops dripped from the leaves, no sign of the thing chasing me. Did I just imagine the whole thing? Exhausted and soaked, I located a small cave tucked into the rocks where I could wait out the storm as the wind picked back up. I squeezed into the farthest corner, wrapping my arms around my knees, shivering uncontrollably. Eventually, the rain tapered off, and I emerged to survey my surroundings. It would be dark soon. I needed to find a safe place to make camp. Numb with cold and fear, I stumbled on, flinching at every swaying branch and rustling bush. As I passed through a dense part of the forest, I felt the hair on my neck stand up. I knew I was being watched again. My breath quickened and I broke into a jog. The sun slipped below the ridge as I hurried down the trail, shadows stretching across the path. Rounding a corner, I collided with something solid but soft. Reeling backward, I looked up only to see a pale, demonic face with black holes for eyes. Rotten fangs jutted from its gaping maw as it loomed over me, whatever it was. I screamed and turned to run, but these gnarled hands clutched at my shoulders and I felt claws dig into my skin. Fetid breath washed over me as the creature opened its mouth impossibly wide as if ready to devour me whole. Everything went black then. I must have passed out, because when I came to I was alone on the dark trail. That thing, if it was real, was now gone. I struggled to my feet, grabbing my gear and taking off down the mountain. Twigs snapped behind me, spurring me on faster. I flew over the rocks and roots, branches ripping my skin. Just get back to the car, I told myself. Bursting from the trees, I saw the parking area below me. I half stumbled, half slid down the last stretch of trail and sprinted for my car. I threw everything into the back seat, started the engine, locked the doors, and took off down the winding mountain road. Even from inside the car, I could hear screaming echo off the dark forest, whipping past my vehicle. Who or what the screams came from, I'll never know. I drove all through the night to get back home, not stopping until I pulled into my driveway. I abandoned all my gear in my car and just ran right inside collapsing on the couch as the sun came up. To this day, I have no idea what I encountered out there, but I'll never venture into those woods again. I think something evil lurks there, waiting for the next unsuspecting hiker who dares to wander that trail alone. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? 
Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A Wrong Choice From Secret Werewolf I was 17 years old when this happened. There was a full moon in the night sky, casting an eerie glow across the dense forest as I hiked through the woods with some friends, Tom and Sarah. At first, it was a beautiful autumn evening, but as the sun was fully consumed by the horizon, the woods became more sinister. And, before long, a sense of foreboding settled over us. Seeing my friends obviously creeped out, I told them, Come on guys, don't be such wimps. It's just a little darkness, and some howling wolves, possibly. What could go wrong? Tom, the more adventurous of us, was the one who initially convinced us to go on this nighttime hike, claiming it would be a memorable experience. But now, as the shadows grew longer and the forest seemed to close in around us, even I couldn't help but regret my decision. Sarah, who had been unusually quiet since we entered the woods, finally said something. Danny, I'm not so sure about this. It's way too quiet out here. I've heard stories about strange things happening in these woods during a full moon, too. I'd heard the stories as well. Mysterious disappearances of pets sightings of strange figures and silhouettes. I always thought they were superstitions. However, as we continued deeper into the woods, a chill crept up my spine. Sarah, relax, Tom said, putting his arm around her. It's just your imagination playing tricks on you. Besides, Danny's gonna protect us, right? I forced a smile, trying to hide my unease. Yeah, don't worry, Sarah, I'll make sure nothing happens to you. We continued walking in silence, the crunch of leaves beneath our boots and the occasional hoot of an owl, the only sounds in the otherwise still night. The moonlight filtered through the trees, casting long eerie shadows on the forest floor. I couldn't help but feel like we weren't alone out there. As we walked, 
we came across an old overgrown trail that we'd never seen before. It was hidden well behind a thick tangle of brambles and fallen branches. Tom's eyes lit up with excitement. Hey, check this out, guys, he said, pointing to the hidden trail. This could be a shortcut back to the car. Let's take it. Sarah and I exchanged uneasy glances, but we followed Tom as he began to hack away at the underbrush with a pocket knife. As we cleared a path, I couldn't shake the feeling we were walking into something that we shouldn't. The farther we went down the trail, the denser the forest became. It was like the trees were closing in around us, and I could no longer see the moon or the stars through the thick canopy. The air grew cooler, and a strange musty scent filled our nostrils. Tom, are you sure about this? Sarah asked, her voice trembling. Tom hesitated for a moment, looking back at us. We've come this far. We might as well see where it leads. It's got to lead somewhere eventually, right? Reluctantly, we continued down the trail, our footsteps muffled by the thick carpet of leaves. The darkness seemed all-consuming, and I felt a growing sense of unease, like a weight pressing down on my chest. As we walked, I noticed strange marks on the trees deep claw-like gouges that looked fresh. I pointed them out to Tom and Sarah. Probably just bears or something, Tom said, though he didn't sound convinced himself. Are there bears around here? Sarah asked, her voice barely above a whisper. I think there are, but usually they keep to themselves, I replied, trying to reassure her. We continued walking, the marks in the trees becoming more frequent. I could not shake the feeling we were being watched, and I wished we had turned back when we had the chance. It felt like the forest had swallowed us whole, and I had no idea where we were or how to get back to the main trail. After what felt like hours, we finally reached a small clearing. In the center of the clearing was a dilapidated, long-abandoned cabin. The roof had partially caved in, and the windows were shattered. It looked like something out of a thriller or horror film. Why on earth would anyone build a cabin way out here? Sarah asked, her voice trembling. I didn't have an answer for her. The whole situation had taken on a surreal nightmarish quality, and I was beginning to fear that we had made a terrible mistake by venturing off the main trail. Tom, always the adventurer, couldn't resist exploring the cabin. Come on, guys, let's check it out. Who knows, maybe we'll find something cool inside. Reluctantly, we followed him into that cabin. The door creaked open with a deafening noise and I winced. I prayed we didn't disturb someone or something inside. The interior was empty and silent, save for the wind that whistled through the broken windows. The moonlight spilled into the cabin revealing a layer of dust and cobwebs that covered everything. It was clear that no one had been in there in a very long time. As we moved further inside, I noticed something strange. A series of odd scratch marks on the cabin's wooden walls. Guys, look at this, I said, pointing at the marks. Tom came over and examined them. Those are definitely not from animals. They look human. 
A shiver ran down my spine as the realization sank in. Someone must have been here recently, leaving these marks. We need to get out of here, now. As we turned to leave, a low, guttural growl echoed from outside the cabin. The three of us froze, our hearts pounding. What was that? Sarah whispered, her face pale. I don't know, but it didn't really sound like an animal. I replied, my voice barely above a whisper. Tom, ever the brave one, moved toward the door, peering outside. I don't see anything, but we need to go. Whatever it was, it was too close for comfort. We made our way back outside, and as we retreated from that cabin, the growling sound grew louder, more menacing. I couldn't shake the feeling we were being hunted. The moon, now high in the sky, bathed the forest in an eerie silvery light. My friends looked scared, just like I felt. As we hurried back down the trail, the growling seemed to be getting closer. My heart raced. Every rustle in the underbrush sent a jolt of fear through my body. I don't think I'd ever been so scared before. Without warning, a dark shape burst out of the underbrush, lunging at us. It was this massive creature. Its fur was matted, and its eyes glowed in otherworldly malevolence. As I really took in what I was looking at, all I could really think was werewolf. My mind instantly compared it to similar forms and shapes I'd seen before. And this creature happened to resemble the werewolves I've seen in some movies. Tom shouted, Run! Waking me from my stupor. We sprinted down the trail as fast as our legs could carry us. That furry thing was uncannily fast. Its heavy footsteps and ragged breathing echoed in our ears. My heart felt like it was going to burst from my chest. As we ran, the forest was a blur of trees and moonlight. Even so, I could hear the creature gaining on us, its growling growing louder and more frenzied. I didn't know how much longer we could keep it up, let alone stay ahead of it. I turned back one time to look at it. It looked like someone put a wolf's face on a human's body, indeed what I'd seen from scary movies. A werewolf. No matter how many times I tried to deny it, that's what it looked like. As we neared the end of the trail, I risked another glance over my shoulder. The beast was almost on us, its yellow eyes locked on mine. A bizarre feeling came over me, the idea that I was first to be targeted. If it did catch up to us, would I be torn apart first? The creature's snout snarled, revealing far too much drool. I pushed myself beyond my limits, running faster, adrenaline coursing through my veins. We burst out of the trail and back onto the main path, and without looking back this time, I could hear the creature's enraged howling, because for some reason, it had stopped pursuing us, and yet it sounded so angry. I think it knew it couldn't follow us beyond the boundary of that hidden trail, but for what reason, I can't be sure. We ran all the way back to the car. Suddenly, our breathless crying turned into laughter. I think we were just relieved. We had narrowly escaped some monster that shouldn't even be real. As we drove away from those woods, I couldn't help but think about the legends and stories I had dismissed as superstition. 
The memory of those glowing yellow eyes would haunt my dreams for years. We never spoke of that night to anyone, fearing that no one would believe the story. But the three of us knew. It was a secret we would carry with us to the grave. But at last I have had the urge to share it somewhere. At least this way it's anonymous. I've often wondered about that supposed werewolf. Why did it attack us? Why couldn't it leave the trail? Was it by itself? Maybe it was cursed to roam the woods under the full moon. I hate the idea that it may have been a part of a larger pack. I may never know the answers to these questions, but I do know one thing for certain. I'll be avoiding those woods for good, especially on full moon nights. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails. And be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again.